Hi guys, I'm Anna, and this is Consider the Ravens. We believe that discipleship should happen primarily within the context of a local church, but that the principal way that this has been bolstered throughout church history is through literature. Whether fiction, non-fiction, letters to works of systematic theology, literature helps us to understand the word and to get to know the world we live in. I am joined by my co-host, Adsom. <laughs> And loving husband. Oh, you're sorry. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're also married. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm just a co-host. I've been demoted from husband. I'm now just co-host of the podcast. Um, co-host yeah. and roommate. <laughs> co-host and roommate. Uh, we are at the end of the first month of this podcast, which is absolutely Ooh. nuts. I, I can't believe it, to be honest. Uh, we, we've we had some really good episodes already, I think, but we've actually got some really good stuff coming up. We've got some really, really good guests for you lined up, uh, guests that we can't really even believe that have agreed to come on, but that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Good, good on them for taking uh, a chance on a little podcast and... Mm-hmm. The plan is that at basically the first podcast of every month is going to be a recap or a rundown of some of the books that we've read in the previous month. We we would just love to let you know why we would recommend them or maybe wouldn't recommend them to you, why those books might be helpful for you in your walk with God, or maybe just to help you get reading. So without further ado, honey, you're kicking us off. What's your first book? So the first bit we're going to be talking about, I actually read this book last year, um, but I thought it was so good. And it was one of my favorite books that I was like, okay, let's talk about this book this month, especially because it's January, it's a new year and everything. Um, So this book is called The Unthinkable, What Happens When Disaster Strikes and Why? It's by this lady called Amanda Ripley. Basically, this book is about disasters, natural disasters, and how humans react within the context of them so it talks through specific um human disasters and natural disasters and basically goes through people's stories and talks about different themes that you can see so for example like survivor's guilt or um why someone might be a hero or literally whatever you're gonna have to read the book but one thing that struck me was when it talked about dread so I really hate flying so this was really poignant for me and actually really helped me understand it a little bit more I'll I'll say in her words because she says it a lot better so she says that dread explains why we fear plane crashes so much more than we fear heart disease or car crashes first of all planes unlike cars are not under our personal control so that bumps up the dread factor. Secondly, planes are very unfamiliar to human beings. We're not comfortable at 20,000 feet. So the dread score goes up again. And then she goes on to say, people who drive because they fear flying are not really looking for physical safety. What they're looking for is emotional safety. Do you have any thoughts on? Yeah, so you said that helped you. How did that help you? I think for me, um, the main way it actually helped me was just coming to understand what it is that freaked me out about it. I think often that's Mm. the first step. They say, obviously, the first step is actually understanding that you do have a fear or you do have a problem. But then actually understanding why you have that problem means that you can fight against it. So I think for me, understanding it's not just, 
oh, I hate flying, oh, it's really bumpy, but it's understanding that I'm unfamiliar with it. So actually looking into how planes work, why are they safe, everything like that will actually help me in future. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. There was a, another quote that you highlighted that I thought was really interesting um, that had a similar theme, but not related to flying, but something else that maybe that we probably deal with on a daily basis, which says, I tell people that if it's in the news, don't worry about it. The very definition of news is something that hardly ever happens. It's when something isn't in the news, when it's so common that it's no longer news, car crashes, domestic violence, that you should start worrying. Um, that's something that I've been trying to articulate for a while. And when I saw that you'd highlighted this in, in your Kindle notes, it was really interesting <laughs> to me. But actually, a lot of people have a huge amount of dread about uh, things that are going on around the world that they have heard about but they have no context for because it seems so out there and because it seems so out there they don't know how to deal with it and then there's covid <laughs> and then there's a pandemic and then there's this and that and the other and people don't actually know how to deal with them because they're just so massive so um yeah this book is a really good way of kind of getting started off especially if you're you're in a lot of fear or you're struggling uh, and you don't really know why it might just be helpful to to read this book and get a grip on that so should we move on to our next book yes it is also worth saying just with the caveat that if you are sensitive to something like this or you feel like this might be something that actually will just make you more fearful obviously please don't read this the whole point of us doing this podcast is about learning discernment for the best books for you and knowing yourself within reading and knowing what will help you or not so I found this really interesting and helpful but just be aware that it does talk about some things that might be a little bit more difficult for you especially if you have experienced stuff like this in the past um so on to the next book honey this is for you so we are talking about go well, no not go <laughs> we go on um you have raved about this book in your newsletter talk me through what the book is and what makes it different so i've been aware of john omochekwa for a while through uh, various sources he is an excellent speaker and i knew that about him but i'm, I'm not sure i'd read anything from him and then i was trying to decide between downloading this book or downloading another book on audible on an audiobook platform and when i saw that he was reading it himself i was i was really reticent to buy it but i just went for it because usually i think oh let authors be authors and let narrators be narrators because narrator narrating's hard but then at the beginning of the book he basically starts off he's like look i'm gonna ad lib here I'm going to say things that aren't in the book. There's going to be things that, that I'm just going to feel really, really drawn to say and to say with more depth. So if you're reading along with the book, then, then you're going to struggle. He then went on to talk like a father who was just trying to explain to his kids, to uh, like a pastor to his congregation, like somebody who, who cares, like a family member, just trying to explain, look, suffering happens. Suffering is hard. Suffering ex is experienced in so many different ways. But God is still present. God is still here. God is in your situation with you. 
let's run to prayer. And so time and time and time again, you would get to the point where he's explained this idea of like suffering in this area, for, like for whatever area that is. And then you think, oh, either the chapter's going to end or he's got more to say and he'll just click into, right, would you join me in prayer or would you let me pray over you or would you pray this with me or would you run to prayer? Would you put the book down and go and pray about this or would you go and read this Bible passage and read through this Bible passage? And it's just like actually what he was doing was training you to slow down, to take that suffering in hand, to understand it, but then to go and run to prayer. So this is what that previous book doesn't do. That previous book can explain to you why you're scared, but it, although it can help you to understand it, it doesn't give you anything to go and mm-hmm. like do anything with it. What with this book, it's like, actually you're suffering, you're scared, you're hurting, you're, you're struggling let's pray about it because that will help. Like It will do something. And it's not to say that we, we don't seek counseling or therapy or anything like that, but prayer is like our first and last result. Like it, it's, it's everything. And so, yeah, this book really taught me to yeah, like, yeah, just, just really mm. lean in again. Yeah. It was excellent. And I've, I've never read a book that was written like this and I hope more books will be written like this. You can read my review Aww. for more information. <laughs> That's really lovely to hear. And actually, you know what? Honestly, because Adsum was so excited about it, I was honestly giving it such a glowing report. It's gone onto my book list as well. Um, he has told me multiple times this week already that I need to read it. So <laughs> Every time we've talked about this podcast, I'm like, okay, you should read this book. Oh, you should listen to this book. It's really, really good. Um, it was excellent. Great. So you've now got a fiction book or a set yeah. of fiction books, kind of? Yes. So I will be talking about fiction for my next two books. But this one is also a fiction because, let's be honest, I love fiction and I read it all the time and it's always my choice. Adsum is a bit of a boring guy, so he only reads nonfiction. <laughs> um, but yes, so this is a trilogy it's called Thorn. The author is Timothy Zane. Basically, right, imagine Star Wars and then imagine a captain on a ship crossed with Sherlock Holmes. That's basically what it is. And if you don't think that that sounds awesome, trust me, it is. <laughs> so it's a really, really good book. And it's just one of those books that I've just enjoyed reading for reading's sake. We both absolutely love Star Wars. Um, we've really enjoyed the films and the TV shows. And Actually, when we were interviewing Chris Martin, he said that one of the books that he's been reading at the moment has also been thrown. And you should have seen our faces. We were like, what? This is amazing because we just started reading all those books as well. And we're like, mate, you're in for such a good treat. So if you want to read a book, you like Star Wars and you just want to read a book just for the sake of enjoying something, this would be a really good trilogy that I'd recommend. It's just one of those things where actually it's absolutely fine just to read, just for the enjoyment of it. I think sometimes we can be so caught up in, oh, we have to read this book because it's really old and the, or we need to read this book because we're going to learn lots. But sometimes it's OK just to read for the enjoyment of reading. And that's also what we're here for, not just reading 
so you can learn stuff which is great but also reading just so you can get that spark again um so go out find a book maybe it's one that's already on your bookshelf that you are really excited about that you know this is going to bring me joy and start reading it absolutely yeah and it it might not yeah as anna says it might not be this book but we're including this book because actually it might spark off in your mind that something that, that you've been thinking about reading for a time and you haven't like really known whether to read it or not i just i would encourage you that in philippians 4 8 to 9 it says finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, this can be really helpful for us when we're picking up books, because if you think of something like The Lord of the Rings, for instance, there are so many moments in those those films or those books that people remember time after time because they were encouraging to them because they were honourable moments or just moments or pure moments. Um, however, on the flip side of that, in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, Paul does tell us that everything is permissible, quoting the Corinthians, but not everything is beneficial, he says. Everything is permissible, he says, quoting them, but not everything builds up. So just because you can read anything, there are definitely things that are not uh, not edifying. So we would encourage you to use your discernment and to figure out what might be best to read mm. in these circumstances. Yeah, like we said um, with the first book, use discernment. Um, yeah, use discernment. So next, we're going to be talking about your book. Not, yeah, not not my book. I didn't write this one. <laughs> I, I wish I'd written it. So I've moved on from not only reading nonfiction, but reading nonfiction about writing nonfiction, um, but and writing nonfiction in order to learn about other things. But this is a really really important book. is written by a guy called Zinsser, which um he, he basically yeah was a journalist but he's also worked for various universities very very well thought of um and he's written this book called writing to learn which is has been sparked off by when a university got in touch with him and said we are planning on giving elective courses in every single field across the school so that people can learn how to write within their field and what we want to see is whether they will learn more through it and what they found was it was irrefutable they they learned so much more by writing down what they'd learn uh they th there was an example of a geography professor who was so excited about doing this because he was getting messages and and letters from previous students writing to him going why didn't you teach us how to write anything we are now all working in things like urban planning or like location or economic development or rural land use planning or whatever um and they have to write all these reports which have to be clear but they've never been taught how to so they know all the information but they don't know how to write them so there's that as well yeah so you've said actually to me that this book really speaks to why we need discipleship throughout the whole church you want to explain yourself that came off a little bit too aggressive didn't <laughs> no it? it's totally fine that's, that's <laughs> all right um no i'm much yeah i'm very happy to defend my point um yeah i said Essentially, 
this book t- uh, speaks about discipleship, not not obviously um, directly because it's a, it's a non-Christian book or, or something from, from a secular mindset. But there was a quote from the book where uh, he was talking about uh, English teachers, essentially. Over the years, our faculty did a lot of good-natured berating of the English department. Why can't you teach these students to write? The English teachers replied, they write well for us, but in your classes, they don't have that expectation. Students don't think of writing as being any part of your courses. Of course, that was true. And what it stemmed from was a lifelong sense of inadequacy on our part. Now, I think this is really reflected in the church, and especially when we talk about literature aiding discipleship, often uh, people will will think, okay, well, really discipleship should be being done by this select group within the church. They should be the ones helping everyone to grow. But the reality is, is that is so much <laughs> like so beyond them and their ability to do that because they are only a few people compared to maybe hundreds or thousands of people in a church. Discipleship is something that should happen across the whole church. And one of the reasons, mm. a bit like all of these other teachers, like geography teachers or physics teachers, etc., the reason we don't do it is because we think we're inadequate for the task. We're not going to be able to do it well enough. We're not going to be able to explain well enough. We're not going to be able to teach people. Or maybe this person who's in front of us, we feel like they know more than us. Or maybe they're wiser than us or stronger than us or whatever it is, or they're further along in life. And the reality is, is that's just not why God has called us to do it. God has called us to be the church, to be the body of Christ to one another. When we drink communion, we are drinking ourselves into the body of Christ in the, at the same time as drinking the body of Christ into ourselves. We are saying, we are making a statement to say, I am part of this body. And if you're doing that, then you should be acting as part of that body. So that was one thing I, I found really exciting about the prospect of this book. Next book we're going to talk about is Frankenstein. Now, you, um, you read books wrong. Do you want to explain how you do <laughs> Oh, my goodness. This, honestly, this is such a source of contention with us. First of it, all, it's I just fine. Wanna... Uh, to be clear <laughs> to our audience, Anna is allowed to be wrong about things. That's totally fine. <laughs> um, but she just needs to explain it to you guys. That, that's, all, that's all I'm asking. It's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> what an absolute cheek. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the last book that I'm going to be talking about that I read this month. It's called Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And I think this book, first of all, really, really good. I loved how emotional it is and how it's so much different from what we were expecting. Because, uh, you know, you know a little bit about Frankenstein and everything, but it's so much different and so much better. But <laughs> this book did bring up a few things in which we were like, oh, we're really different when we read books. So, for example, when I'm going to read a book, especially if it's something that is quite old. So I know that I might struggle to understand it as much. I always read up like what are the themes of the book or what can what do I need to look out for in the book so that I can then actually (laughs) when I read the book I can be like oh yeah so this is the theme that's running through this whole book and I can see how it develops and I can see how the characters interact with all of that. Before we go on with the episode can I encourage you to subscribe 
to give us five stars on Spotify and to sign up to the Ravens Writing Desk newsletter. Thank you. Now, on with the episode. I really don't like um, getting scared or shocked. So if there's any kind of jump scares or something like that, or any twists, or especially, honestly, you should see me watching films. I'm there like hugging a a pillow because I get so stressed if something's unexpected. So I like having a general gist of the book and how it's going to run. So I don't get too shocked if that makes sense where Adsum on the other hand why don't you tell us what so like? I read books correctly I <laughs> I, I want to learn the, about the book at the pace that the author has intended me to so I'm not yeah I'm not reading the themes ahead of time I'm not looking up spoilers I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I'm gathering the information as and when the author has said I should get the information um <laughs> Sorry. You're so salty. Oh my word. Um, but yeah, no, but the yeah, the reality is is you might be like Anna <clears throat> wrong, or you might be more like me. <laughs> and that's fine. Either way is perfectly okay. <clears throat> wrong. Um, but uh <laughs> but to, it doesn't regardless of how you read it, the point is actually that um, especially with a book like this you might have preconceived notions about a book. Maybe that's because you've you've gone read up about it or because you've gone into it knowing what pop culture has said about it. But actually, there's so much more to gain. I read Jekyll and Hyde a while back and nothing about what we have transposed from Jekyll and Hyde into popular culture is in the book. It is totally different and it is so profound and quite a Christian book as well actually and so like very similar thing reading it knowing something doesn't necessarily mean that you're more um yeah more invested Mm. in it actually learning what the book has to say to you um yeah would be good yeah I agree I found that especially with Frankenstein it starts off in a boat in the Antarctic and I was like what (laughs) I thought this was about a monster (laughs) why is there a boat um I just want to quickly clarify right before Adsum tarnishes my name any further so the record is straight I do not look up spoilers okay I'm not that type of person who reads the end of the book or like skips a few pages what I do like to do is read the theme and read the general gist like the expectation of what the author wants you to know of the book so that when I do start reading it I can pick it out a bit more obviously if that makes sense Um, would you like to go on record and say that you never give me spoilers (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) okay well can't do so well on that one (laughs) I would like to go on record and say that Adsum's understanding of a spoiler is very ridiculous because I'll like say something like Frankenstein is based in Switzerland and he'll be like Switzerland you've never told me that that's gonna ruin the whole book just the whole (laughs) socio-political landscape (laughs) (laughs) it's just a country (laughs) they speak questionable French it'll be fine (laughs) that's so funny Okay, right. So after 
Adsum has explained about how wrong he is with spoilers and books. Let's go on to his last book. <laughs> it is The Mission of the Triune God. Did you want to chat a bit about that? Can you not start with it is because I'm going to cut out some of that possibly. So can you say... Um, so on to our next and sort of final book. Okay. Okay, on to our last-ish final book what is it hun oh this book so i take this in the context of i've already absolutely raved about book within the within this podcast can this i guess next book is it non-fiction it is non-fiction <laughs> all of them this month are non-fiction i am listening to <laughs> fiction and reading fiction at the moment but it's just yeah none of them are are on the list of my top kind of three books but this is definitely my top book of the month this is mission of the triune god by patrick schreiner this is in a new series that crossway are releasing uh, which is is somewhere between a a book about a a book of the bible and a commentary so commentaries though yes you absolutely could read them from start to finish isn't usually how we go about reading them and they're also not really written to be particularly readable, if that makes sense. I struggle with the fact that I absolutely love commentaries, but there are some commentaries that I love that I would be reticent to give someone because they're just so dense that people would find it difficult to do anything with that, if that makes sense. What we really want are books that take us from theology to doxology. So if you go to my my website it will say discipleship and doxology now doxology is essentially uh, living lives of worship now if you're reading books of theology that aren't leading you to worship then find other books like i, I don't know how else to say it that that really is the like the standard and this book does that in such a beautiful way talking about the book of acts which is what this is about. It's talking about the mission of the triune God in Acts. Um, but Patrick Schreiner is, is somewhere between a, a theologian and a poet. He just writes so beautifully to, in, in such a way that actually when he's, even when he's talking about difficult subjects, he's able to distill them down into really understandable bite-sized pieces. So, if you think about, for instance, like Isaac Watts writing hymns, he's distilling down incredible theological truths into reasonably short hymns. And you're able to understand them because there's some kind of poetry to it. And although, yeah, Patrick Shiner's books aren't, aren't rhyming necessarily, but they do flow off the, off the tongue and, and read really well um, and just kind of woo you to, to want to read more. I, I just, I cannot stress enough how much we need more books like this that can help people understand particular books of the Bible, especially harder books like Acts, where Acts might not seem like a difficult book, but there is a lot of contention around what the central themes are to the book of Acts. And therefore, a lot of people just won't touch it because they think, oh, I'm just entering a potential landmine field here. Or they'll go so far into it, but with the wrong mindset. If you want to read more about this, I've got a, a whole article about this that goes into this in detail on, on my blog. 
So um, can I just really quickly clarify? You said that um, in Acts and in different books that the contention is around the themes. So are you suggesting that actually that we do look into the themes of books? Because I got told with Frankenstein that, <laughs> that we shouldn't look into themes because it might give away spoilers. I think you'll I guess find... spoilerism... <laughs> I think you'll find that I have spoken at length about a Bible study technique that I call the three C's, which is context, comparison, and consistency. And so you first read the text in context, then you compare it to other places in the Bible if you're struggling with it. And then finally, you look to consistency to find out uh, what other voices throughout church history have spoken about. So even here, I would still agree with myself that that is the last thing you should be doing is going to commentaries and um, external sources. The first thing you do is read the Bible. I, I will say that every time. <laughs> I don't know. All I heard is you saying, oh, we need to look up the themes. <laughs> um, to be fair, that does actually sound like a good book. I'm just being cheeky. Absolutely. And there's one more book that you really wanted to recommend isn't there that actually was recommended last week by Chris Martin that seems to keep on coming up yeah totally yeah there are two more books as you say that I want to recommend <laughs> the first book we is can't am- help it yeah we can't help it the first book is Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman last week you may have heard us talk about it a little bit it's essentially um it was written in 1985 just after the 1984 uh, year had left and and he's talking about um, how television is just has just at that point completely changed the landscape of how we disseminate and consume information. And if you want a bit more context on Chris's episode from last week, I would go and read that book or listen to that book. It's a it's quite scary at times in some ways. So again, do that with discernment, but it's also really helpful and really interesting. If you listen to The Social Dilemma or read the so- uh, watch The Social Dilemma last year that came out on Netflix, this might be a really good uh, book for you to read. And obviously, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I would encourage you to do so. The other book that I would encourage you to read is a book called Mission Affirmed by Elliot Clark. And I will have a review out of my book newsletter today uh, talking more about that it is an excellent book Um, if you are a christian in a church you are on mission and we think it would be great for you to read this book and you can see my review for more information perfect so next week we are going to be starting our series on bavink which will continue for as long as it takes. So I hope you guys are ready for the long ride. <laughs> it's quite a big book. It's actually four, isn't it? Four. Four volumes. We might be in it for like four right. years. <laughs> um, yes, we will be doing a quick bio of Bavink, uh, why we believe that reading reformed dogmatics will be beneficial for you and your church community. And also just walking you through the book. Um, and talking about some of the themes that you can pick out mm. in advance. We'll even teach you how to pronounce Bovink. Oh my goodness, man. <laughs> Is that right? But what? Bovink. Bovink. Yeah. yeah. Bavink. Bovink. I think uh, Bavink sounds better, I think. 
<laughs> does it okay that's cool well we'll get some experts on I mean, to say. I, yeah I, I literally can't argue with someone that's like it, it, it's actually just a different language so I can't just be like nah, no no you're wrong <laughs> yeah. yeah that's cool totally yeah we the language we've also got some cool episode uh cool guests on to come and speak to us about um <laughs> about Bovink one of the ones that we're really excited about is is Leah Sassy who is uh, is she pretty sassy I, I think she is, yeah. I, I, I think that would be an apt description, in fairness. I think it was very prophetic. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, she's coming on to talk to us about it. She is incredibly excited. She knows a lot about Bovink and she yeah, loves him as a theologian. And so we're excited to have her on in a, in a couple of months' time. Mm, and she knows how to pronounce his surname. So. I would hope so. I, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, she can't come. Um, <laughs> um yes so let us know which books you've read this month and we're excited to hear more from you guys you can find us on instagram twitter and spotify from us grace and peace grace and peace bye bye god bless and we'll see you next week bye